0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: Everyone, welcome to the Wednesday edition of Torch Conversation on the Fight yeah. Network. I'm Don Henderson, and I really look forward to tonight's show. What a terrific show we have for you this evening. We hope you'll stay with us. We have correspondents all over the country. But a big story we're going to start off with, our executive producer, Frank Carroll. Frank, give it to us. Frank?
2: We're sad to uh, announce that uh, a giant in the uh, basketball world, has passed away. He won uh, national championships at uh, Indiana University as well as, as uh, West Point. Has been in, uh, always in the papers, always a good person, listened to his teachers, listened to his, his uh, players. In fact, he lost a job at Indiana because he got into a tiff with uh, one of the student uh, trainers, and uh, he, they, he ended up on the wrong end, but Uh, Bobby Knight was a good man. He was uh, 82 years old uh, and presumably was in good health until uh, he had an heart attack this afternoon.
1: In all honesty, Frank, Bob's been under the weather for quite a bit. They brought him back to Indiana to uh, give him a last soiree, uh, and uh, his players were all (laughs) surrounded around him. He won 661 games, uh, an all-time record, and, of course, uh, One of the great coaches I was fortunate enough to be sitting in the spectrum when he won his national championship against uh, North Carolina. And a terrific, terrific game in the spectrum. And I broadcast games against Bobby in Indiana and in Philadelphia. And I have to say that the toughest loss that John Chaney ever took was in Indiana. The team was ahead with uh, five or six seconds to go. And uh, Barnes decided to make a grandstand. Slam dunk shop and it bounced off the back of the rim, bounced away, and Indiana won the game, which they never should have won. But toughest loss that John Chaney ever took, I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. We've got a great show for you tonight, as I said at the outset. As we say, starting off, uh, as always, we never we never skip Roy Cummings at the top of the show. And, Roy, we've got so many things to talk about tonight. We'll start off with the National Football League. And we'll start off with the Bucks quickly, but there's some trades I want to talk about and some other things, but I know you want to touch on the Bucks first.
0: Uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, you talked about trades, and uh, there were a lot of people around the league who thought that, uh, around the NFL, that thought that uh, the Bucks were going to be involved in those trades, and uh, they weren't. Um, and I'm not surprised by that. I mean, I, I always thought that uh, the plan was to keep Mike Evans around. Uh, I thought they might possibly go after a running back but I don't think that the running backs are necessarily the problem in Tampa I think it's more the offensive line Um, you know it's hard to trade for offensive linemen these days Uh, you got a good one you're holding on to them Um, so there you know really wasn't anything there for them Uh, but uh, you know the Bucks have uh, look they've kind of they've kind of come back to earth early here a little bit they're struggling to beat the better teams Uh, They got to show us that they can be, uh, you know, better than what they have been. Uh, We'll see where it goes. Uh, Falcons are in a bit of a bind right now, so we'll see where this takes everybody.
1: Well, the real surprise in my mind, I still can't understand that Billy Warndell will be on us with the next segment of the show. But uh, the man that paid $6 billion for the commanders decided to unload (laughs) two players. And if you can explain to me how they should get a little young. Chase Young and uh, 19 sacks, an unbelievable number of 90 tackles. Uh, Also, uh, the 49ers, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, the Bears also, uh, Sweets went there, also traded another great player from the Commanders. And, uh, yeah, okay, they got five draft choices between one and four, one and four, but holy smokes, they're giving up two outstanding, outstanding players. Roger? Yeah, well, the uh, there weren't a, a
3: whole lot of deals made, let's face it, uh, under the circumstances. And I think you're right uh, 100%, uh, Roy, because when you have a good offensive lineman and you have depth, you do not want to take any chances. Because the Eagles are a perfect example when Lane uh, the, uh, Johnson went down. You know, fortunately it wasn't uh, for long. But uh, they were uh, there were a lot of uh, nervous uh, fans, I'll tell you. But uh, yeah, I just uh, it, they, I think people were sitting, and that doesn't surprise me about uh, Josh Harris uh, with the uh, uh, Commanders. Don, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that organization goes because he's
1: got a lot of credit out on the street
3: because of buying that team.
1: Well, there's no question about that. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, six billion dollars—you got to have credit somewhere. There's <laughs> No question about that. I—I I, I don't understand how they decided to make that kind of a move so quickly with two players that are, you know, going gonna to step right in for one with the 49ers. The Bears, you know, are really trying to redevelop themselves, but the 49ers are an outstanding team, and to pick up a player of that quality for nothing but secondary draft choices doesn't make any sense to me. Also. We also sure have to talk about uh, the Raiders. Josh McDaniels got bounced out along with, Don, uh, with uh, Dave Ziegler, the general manager and head coach. Uh, good reason for that. Uh, in most cases, good reason. Six and 11 last year the Raiders were, and three and five this year. And uh, comments on that one?
0: Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm surprised that it happened this quickly, um, but I'm not really that surprised that it happened. Um, look, when you exchange Derek Carr for, you know, a quarterback that you know, he's been tested and he's proven to do, some, do a few things, but, you know, look, that was, that was a bad choice. So the general manager, I, I think he deserves to go for sure. And, uh, you know, I've never thought that Josh McDaniel is a head coach. I think he's an, uh, a very good coordinator, um, you know, and I only say very good because I've never seen him really, you know, do much without uh, without Tom Brady. Um, you know, again, as we've said, as I've said at least, um, Tom Brady can make a lot of people look really good. And he made uh, Bill Belichick look really good. And now we're not so sure just how great Belichick is as a coach. Uh, he made Josh McDaniels look very good. And now we see Josh McDaniels without Tom Brady. And uh, clearly it, it doesn't look good. I mean, you know, what's amazing is that he lasted less time in Oakland than he did in uh in Denver the first time around, ten years ago. So um I think the the word is out that Josh McDaniel's probably not a head coach in this league. I don't think he'll have any trouble finding an offensive coordinator's job. Um uh, but he, you know, has no reason to be in a hurry to to find work. I mean he's he's got they signed into a six mil a six year contract. Uh so this is a lot of money still coming Josh McDaniel's way. Um, but, uh, you know, he probably cares less about the money than he does about his reputation as as a coach in this league, and and again, I I, I think it's a solid reputation as an offensive mind, but, you know, again, what can you do without Tom Brady? He wasn't able to do it in in Oakland, obviously, and, you know, we'll see if uh, anybody wants to take a chance on seeing if he can do it without him somewhere else. Um, You know, I think he could be, you know, solid, but I think he's going to need, going to need a great quarterback uh, in order to make it happen, and um, Raiders just didn't have that. Roger? Well, the uh no, they didn't,
3: and I'm reading about it. They let the uh, general manager, Dave Ziegler, uh, go too. And, you know, it's interesting yeah, when that. you see the head the headline uh, to Roy and uh, Don and Frank that uh, a late-night move. You know, we've seen some late-night moves in the past, okay? So uh, I think that Mr. Davis had probably uh, had enough of the entire uh, operation, and uh, he just, uh, you know, decided to make the move and uh, uh, took took it on himself. That's it. You're out
1: of here. And that's why it was a late-night move.
0: You
3: know, well, before I make any
1: comment, uh, surprisingly that I put uh, you know this down to third place because the World Series normally is right at the top, but uh, this could be the deciding game—the Diamondbacks and the Rangers tonight. Diamondbacks up three games to one. One ter- of unbelievable game last night. It was ten to one before you had your eyes closed. But uh, we'll start off with you on this one, Roger. Have you been watching the World Series, and what do you think?
3: And not like. Not like if uh, I would have watched it if the Phillies are in it. I did watch the game last night, okay, pretty much in its entirety. And uh, I did not watch it at the end when uh, you, uh, the uh, uh, Arizona did score a few uh, runs. What was it, 11-7, to 7, the final, I think, right, Don,
1: last night? I went to sleep.
3: Oh, you went to it was, sleep.
1: It was 10-1 okay. oh, t- when I went to sleep.
3: Yeah, okay. Well, I think it was 11 to 7 the final. And uh so okay. I missed the last two. I think it was 11 to 5 when I went to sleep, like 11:15. But uh I hope that it ends tonight. I hope uh, uh Bruce Bochi uh gets a an, another uh, World Series ring and I think he's done a magnificent job and it just shows what a great manager he is.
1: Roy really?
0: Well, guys, if you're falling asleep, you, 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 you may have missed uh, what, to me, is one of the greater accomplishments in baseball history. And it, it kind of comes on you. I mean, when you think about it, you're probably not that surprised. But I was actually surprised to see it that Corey Seager has basically has matched uh, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, for October production in, in the playoffs in terms of home runs, uh, extra base hits uh rbis i mean that's something that you know let's face it i mean reggie jackson was you know he got the the nickname mr october because of his ex- exploits in the playoffs and now Corey seager uh who was you know really never the, the t- first guy you thought of when he was with the dodgers a little bit more of that now with the rangers but here's a guy who has uh matched reggie jackson uh, in, in in all his, of his accomplishments, you will probably pass him before this series is over. Even if it end, does end tonight, because uh, the way he's hitting, uh, he's probably got another RBI or two in him tonight. Maybe another homer.
1: Um, so so that could happen tonight. Um, Roy, been, I'm not gonna you know, I'm not gonna disagree with you on that uh, because Seeger for one thing, not only his offensive contribution matching him up, as you mentioned, but his defensive disability. I mean. He, he has dominated the short shot position with great plays in a number of games, not just in number four, but also in some other games as well. He He's not only dominating the series in offense, he's dominating the series in defense.
0: Yeah, that's a good point,
1: Don. You're absolutely right. And, you know, let's face it,
0: I mean, he's been worth every penny that the Texas Rangers poured into him to get him, as has Marcus Semien. And uh, as was, you know, they didn't pay much, as much, you know, for Adelise Garcia, but – you know, now that he's hurt, uh, you know their, their depth is being tested a little bit. But it wasn't an issue last night at all. Um, nor was the issue, you know, uh, starting Andrew Haney, which is which was great. I think it was a mistake last night for the uh, the Diamondbacks to have started um, uh, the bullpen to, to go with a bullpen game. If there was a way to get a starter out there, I think they would have been much better off than
1: going the bullpen route. I round. couldn't because agree again, with you. I couldn't agree with you more. And not only that but they took him out too quickly. I mean, you know, he gave up one run, and uh, to me, uh, he had two outs in the inning, and to me, uh, I think they made a mistake in taking him out at that point.
0: Well, I, I don't disagree necessarily, and I say that only because you're in a short series here. Uh, you know, Joe Mantiply can, can, can rest, you know, all in November if he wants, or most of it at least, uh, if they win the game. Um, but I think they were obviously thinking, you know, okay, look, we've got another game to play tomorrow for sure, possibly another one after that, and then maybe another one after that if we rally here. So, you know, I think they're thinking that, you know, we've got to keep these guys fresh. And Joe Mantiply is not a guy who's going to need up, you know, two, three, four innings as a reliever. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy who's going to face six, eight batters at most, and, uh, and that's it. So that's where he was, and um, so that's why they pulled him. But, again, it's just like I don't know that the playoffs, you know, with the, with the days off and everything else, to me, that's just not where you go with a bullpen day. That's where you bring in a starter. Look, Ryan Nelson came in late in the game, kind of in mop-up duty. There's a guy who can start for you. He can give you five, six innings. Uh, and I think that would have been the better way for uh, Arizona to go. Because, again, uh, much like John Smoltz, I'm a strong believer that for every pitcher you throw out there, you're rolling the dice, that that pitcher is going to be good. And, you know, the chances of six, eight pitchers being really good uh, in one night is just not that great. You know, if your starter doesn't have it, okay, yeah, you obviously have to go to a a long bullpen guy. But, um, you know, sooner or later you're going to run into somebody who's got it that night. But uh, the more you test that, the more likely you are to run into a situation, as the Diamondbacks did last night, where nobody's really got it, and you suddenly find yourself out of the game before four innings are up. So... Uh, it was a it was a tough road for uh, for the Diamondbacks, and they're not getting a lot of uh, you know production out of a couple of players. Uh, Corbin Carroll's uh, gone a little cold, especially against lefties. Um, so we'll see gone where it goes dead.
1: tonight. But Christian Walker's heating up. Oh, he is. You're but, right. Before I make a comment, I'll let uh, Roger get in for another comment on the on the World Series before we jump to another topic.
3: Well, I just want to say I'm watching the uh, pregame uh, show on uh, Fox. And uh, they're featuring Joe Carter, 1993. Don, you and I were there. Not there when it happened at Toronto, but we were there for that World Series. And, uh, you know, Joe Carter is just a class act. But I'll tell you what, uh, when you see 99 Mitch Williams throw that pitch, and you know it's all over, I'll tell you, our, our stomach sunk, didn't they? I mean, if you're a Phillies fan. But uh, you know, I, I do. Like I said, I hope that uh, the uh, te- Texans uh, win tonight, and because I really want to see Bruce Bochy uh, uh, get another uh, World Series
1: ring. Jumping to the National Hockey League, uh, Roy. Let me ask you this: <laughs> New York Post had a big story. Cooper has a chance to join the Adams family. His club is a twenty-five to one underdog going into winning the Stanley Cup this year. But they feel that the game tonight, and I just turned on Madison Square Garden. Unfortunately, I'm blacked out. They will let me watch the game tonight between Buffalo and the Rangers. But they consider tonight to be make or break for the coach of Buffalo and the Sabres. Your comment.
0: I'd be a little surprised if that's the case. Uh, I really do because I know early on, and look, it's been a bad start for Buffalo a team that thought for sure that it was going to be right there in the mix this year um, after taking a big step forward last year with some of the players they picked up. I think they definitely felt that they were going to be a better team. But, you know, a weekend when it wasn't going the way that they hoped it would, there was still a lot of belief that, hey, just be patient. This team is good. It's going to be good. You still have a lot of young players feeling their way. Owen Power is still just a second-year player uh Peyton Krebs you know is just a guy who's still trying to you know find his way in the league a little bit you know but but Alex Tuck and uh you know Tage Thompson I mean they're, they're good players uh Deline, look it's a good hockey team and they've got good goaltending I think you just be you're just you just have to be patient um look there's a theory that once you get to November 1st in the National Hockey League if you're not in the playoff mix at that point um you know that, that you're not going to make it uh, and certainly there's a lot of belief in the theory that if you get to uh, the U.S. Thanksgiving, which is three weeks away, and you're out of the playoff race, uh, that you're not going to make it. But you know what? We've seen a lot of teams kind of founder, flounder around through uh, you know, the, uh, the first two, three, four months of the season and then catch fire, and, and I'm not ready to say that Buffalo is one of those teams, but um, I, I don't think they're a team that has to worry about making a change. I, I don't think that's the issue. Um, I think they just uh you know they got they've got caught flat footed a few times as early on in the year and I think uh, sooner or later the uh, the talent will rise to the top and I think they'll be a I think they'll be a contender. Look, they're in a very very tough division, very tough conference. Um they can go a lot of ways. There's a lot of te- I mean there aren't many teams in the East where you say okay, they're done. They're not going to they're not going to be there. Uh a couple of those teams, uh, Columbus is one of them and the Flyers are probably another, that you might have said that at the beginning of the year. Well, they're off to great starts. Well, let's see if they can keep it up. If they can keep it up, uh, great for them. But, you know, I still think Buffalo is a team to, to fear and a team that you have to respect. And I don't think moving Don Granado at this point is going to make a, whole lot of, make a whole lot of sense.
1: Well, going back to your very first statement, uh, the expectations because of what happened with the exhibition season. We're very, very high in Buffalo, and that's why there's so much uh, red tape right now about going around what's going to happen with the coach, what's going to happen with the team. You're right. They can turn it around, but are they going to give him enough time to do it. We're going to have uh, T.O. on later at uh, the Wells Fargo Center, and the Flyers are playing there tonight, Roger.
3: Yeah, well, the uh, and I think you have to wait uh, for the uh, Buffalo. I mean, it, it is early. The Flyers are 4-4-1. Four, four and one. And, uh, you know, when I was there last uh, Thursday night, uh, they looked really good. And then they lost Saturday, and then they uh, lost, uh, I guess it was Monday night. So they're goal goaltending. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, I know the, the Saturday, it was the backup uh, goal. It wasn't Carter Hart. But, uh, you know, I just don't think when you're eight or nine, ten games into the season, uh, that you should make a, uh, a a move like that. I just think you need a little more time to see how this, uh, the things evolve.
0: Evolve. And, and guys, as as we're talking about it, uh, the Sabres are playing the Flyers right now, and Carter Hart doesn't look too healthy. He's, he he they, they had to stop the game at one point for him. Looked like maybe a, a sore back or something. He's given up a couple of goals, including what probably he would consider a soft one uh, just a second ago here. And the first goal against Buffalo was a deflection off a defenseman's stick. I mean, those are some of the kind of breaks that, that sometimes go against you that, you know, no coach is going to be able to, to change. So uh, right now Buffalo's on top 2-1. to one. Uh, Carter Hart's looking like, you know, not really 100%. He might be fighting, fighting through something. We'll see if uh, that's the case. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, again, if, if, you're, if you're monitoring Buffalo and the situation with their coach, uh, they gave up a tough goal against uh, because of a, a bad deflection. And uh, now they've rallied since then and taken a 2-1 lead, uh, if it holds, although it looks like uh, they might have been offside a little bit. So we'll see.
1: Don? All right, uh, Roy, just very quickly, uh, you know, following up on that. Uh, you know, because of the fact it's been 12 years since they've been in the playoffs, the pressure is really on the Sabres. And the headline in the post was, don't expect the Sabres to figure out Philadelphia tonight at the Wells Fargo Center. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, that's obviously was uh, not knowing that the goaltender was going to be injured. We'll have to wait till later in the game to find out about that. As I said, I can't pick it up on MSG because they got me blacked out here. But thank you very much, Roy. Always a pleasure. We're going to go to one of the number one broadcasters in Philadelphia guy I've known for 108 years, Billy Wurndell. And Billy, we've got so many things to cover tonight. We'll touch very quickly, very quickly on the demise of the Phillies the last two games. Your thoughts there?
4: Well, they were a power-driven team, Don. And they got out of their, their routine as far as their approach at uh, the plate. Everybody's trying to power the ball out of the stadium. They had to play within themselves. Arizona was there for the taking, all right? The Phillies let it slip away. The Phillies were the better team, but the better team doesn't always make it to the World Series in this day and age. But they they just, the way they approached the last two games, like, hey, we're just going to roll over them. I think everybody in the lineup, Castellanos, Harper, uh, Schwerber to a certain extent, Turner, were trying to jack everything out of the ballpark. So that was the big, big problem.
1: With, with the Delano facilities. was over 23 with 11 strikeouts to exactly. end the, uh, the See, game seven, six.
4: That, that's the big problem. When you talk about strikeouts and these analytics geeks that are running baseball right now, hopefully with Bruce Bochy and his squad, and the people in Arizona, maybe these people will ha- take a step back. Because they are ruining the game of baseball. Ruining the game of baseball. And – A manager has to go on feel, has to you know feel the moment. You can't have all these numbers uh, just just a manager. You know he looks at a player. He knows when to take a pitcher out. He knows when to pinch it, The whole deal. I think until they look, I don't have any problem, Don, with analytics. Numbers are important, but let the manager manage. Simple as that. You agree?
1: I'm with you, Roger. Oh, I've I've agreed
4: with that for
3: years and years, Bill, and I I do agree that all this home run uh, striking out has just ruined the game. And uh, well, I, Roger, it, it,
4: here's the deal: you have to be able to move base runners uh, when you have runners in scoring position and less than two outs. You have got to get that guy in from second base, some way, somehow. Last night the Rangers scored. Ten runs with two outs and runners in scoring position. That's the way you play the game. You put the ducks in the pond. You drive them in.
1: Well, that's right. I'm, and, hey, and listen, I'm with you 100. percent right? uh, I, I love the way the Diamondbacks have managed the series. Unfortunately, they've just been out slugged, especially in game. The game the other night. I mean, you know, they were. I said earlier in the show tonight it was ten to one. I went to sleep. I couldn't wait for, uh, you know, the rest of the game to cut through. Let's switch topics, Bill. Uh, first of all, uh, what a big week in Philadelphia because we got the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. A little insight there.
4: Don, if you look at the Cowboys, you can run the football on the Cowboys. And I think the Eagles will attack their, their defensive front. Uh, I mean, they like to play a lot of nickel coverage. And the Eagles have outstanding wide receivers, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. You have to consider Dallas Goddard, even though he's a tight end. I think the Eagles are a better team. Of course, the Eagles struggled last week against the Washington Commanders. The Commanders have had their numbers. They took them into overtime the first time they met, and they really stretched the Eagles out the second time. So now the Eagles have to look at that tape and say, hey, what what are the Cowboys going to do to attack our defense? The one area that I'm really, really concerned about is the deep secondary especially the nickelback. They lost Devontae Maddox. They brought in Bradley Roby. He's hurt right now. So, I mean, when you do not have a veteran back there in the secondary, especially that nickelback, that can be very devastating to a football team. And I was surprised at how he didn't pull the trade. But, again, the price of playing poker at the trade deadline goes up an awful lot. So, obviously, he said, look, that's too much. I can't give it up. And he moved on. So hopefully guys like Eli Ricks, the undrafted free agent out of LSU, played in Alabama last year. Don, he was the number one corner going into last year's season as far as the draft was concerned. He dropped all the way out of the the conversation for a draftable player. The Eagles signed him, and he has shown flashes that he could be a shutdown corner in the national football league.
3: Roger? Good job by the Eagles again. Let me ask you this, uh, Bill. Uh, number one, the uh, just happened. Uh, Carter Hart was taken out of the game. He must be injured. And uh, the uh, score is 2-1 because it was 2-1 when we talked to Roy. But that uh, second goal was... Nullified, but now they did. the Buffalo did get a second goal. But uh, what about the, uh, the the? I guess it was a uh, uh, well. Was it was it? A, no, it was a, It was the safety they got from Tennessee, uh, who's really a heck of a good player. That was a good move.
4: Remember, he was only there for a week. All right, not even a week. So he has to assimilate. He's got to feel comfortable in the secondary. He's going to help them. But the nickel back position is so important because so many teams use three wide receivers. So that nickelback is basically a starter. And if you don't have a competent nickelback, teams will exploit that. So hopefully the Eagles can re- resolve that situation this week and weeks to come. Now they have a bye week after Dallas. Then the, then the schedule really gets tough. Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas again, and Seattle. So this is the time you're going to find out how good the Philadelphia Eagles are. It's going to be a very difficult stretch. The Eagles have the best team on paper, but paper a lot of times goes right in the (laughs)
1: waist. You're right about that. Billy, you're in every Philadelphia Eagle game. You've worked the Eagles for so many years now. Maybe you can explain this to me. Josh Harris, who – when was the Philadelphia 76ers paid over $6 billion with his group for the Washington Commanders. How in the world can you give up Sweets and Young for nothing but draft choice? Well, you got, now they've got five draft choices between two and five. What the hell? These two players are, are, are two of the best in the league. Well, Don, obviously they have a lot of payroll
4: tied up in the, the defensive uh, line position. They gave a big contract to Jonathan Allen. They gave a big contract to De'Ron Payne. I agree with you. I could see one guy being traded, but not both those guys. And, and how about the 49ers? Do they get
1: lucky or do they get lucky? Every time they turn around, he's making another, another
4: great deal. Really? The Chase Young should help, help the 49ers. But, again, you make a very good point. Why would you part with both these guys? Maybe one, Don. Because you know you have a a salary cap in the NFL, maybe one player, but not two. I mean, again, Joshua Josh Harris has not run the Sixers very well, and he's not off to a great start with the Washington Commanders. Uh, You know, you just look at this and say, look, you got to you got to spend money in certain positions. The offensive line and the defensive line are imperative to spend money. As I said, you didn't want to sign both of them, at least sign one of them.
1: Billy, 90 tackles and 14 sacks. I mean, you're, you're talking about players that are at the top of the list. Uh, uh, Don, you're not going to get an argument. I was surprised.
4: <laughs> I, I was surprised. I mean, you got a second round pick. That second round pick better be a world beater. You got a third round pick for the 49ers. And remember, that third round pick for the 49ers is basically a fourth fourth round pick. The 49ers will be picking at the latter stages of the third
3: right. round. Right. Roger, look, all I can say is it's a matter of dollars and cents with Joshua Harris.
4: And it all well, is, show you know, me
3: the money, Billy. Show me the money.
4: Look, look he's going to make money with the Commanders. He's going to make money with the Sixers. He'll make money with the Jersey Devils. The guy is a, he is basically a guy that buys franchises to make a real profit at the end. Is he a real sportsman? I don't think so. I, no. I just think when you're like that, you are just looking at the bottom line, how much money you can generate for your 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 group. But I, I don't think he's in the true sense of the word a sportsman. And of course no. look at the Sixers. The disaster that we had four years was Sam Hankey. Then we had the Colangelo uh, uh, father-and-son combination, another disaster. Now we have Daryl Morey, finally got out from under James Harden. Why would you bring a James Harden here when he's 31, 30, 33 years old? Why would you do something like that? It doesn't make sense. I, I do sure, not stupidity. Josh yeah. well, that, absolute stupidity because the deal they had from Sacramento Buddy Heal and Halliburton would have been a much better deal when the guys were younger. Why do you want an yeah. aging point guard who, who just hogs the basketball all the time? You don't win that way. Billy,
1: really, no. the MVP He's... of the 76ers, two days in a row on the front page of the New York uh, Post, uh, that the New York uh, Knicks, we are going to make a trade with the 76ers. And how can they trade the most valuable player last year? And not only that, how could they trade him in the same division? Don, it makes no
4: sense whatsoever. <laughs> that's, the, only, the only thing they could be looking at, John Nash former NBA general manager said, he's got probably two or three good years left of him. You know, he's got a lot of health issues. Now, right. if the Knicks are going to overpay... For Joel and B, you've got to think long and hard about it. And you have to say to yourself, as this team is presently constructed, are we a legitimate NBA championship-type team? Are we going to make a run for the championship? If you say no, then you have to think long and hard about moving and B.
1: Billy, your thoughts on the World Series?
4: Well, you know, I'm rooting for the guy that's the manager of Texas Rangers. I make no secret of that. Bruce Bochy, I've known him for a long, long time. And just the way they win on the road, is absolutely incredible. I mean, they go to Baltimore, they sweep Baltimore. They go to Tampa Bay, they sweep Tampa Bay. And they have the Astros, nip and tuck, and they, they, they beat the Astros. I mean, you look at this team, he loses one of his top players in Garcia, the right fielder. They don't miss a beat last
1: night. And no, but a beat. They, they had 10 Seager runs is, before I could even stay, keep my eyes open. <laughs> Corey Seager is probably one of the
4: greatest shortstops of all time, not only from an offensive standpoint, but from a defensive standpoint. He is an outstanding, outstanding player. And, I, exactly and Billy, he may be guys guys one of the
1: few players that made it the kind of money that he's getting. All these other guys are sitting home watching the World Series while He's, he's showing you great defense and great offense. No question, Don. And
4: he's a money player, a money player. When the chips are on the table, he steps up big time.
3: Roger? Well, we th- said that about uh, Bryce Harper, too, you know, last year. Uh, he's a prime-time player. And uh, But uh, I'll tell you what, I mean, Trey Turner had some good – uh, uh, parts two of the season, but then overall in the playoffs, Bill, especially in the LCS, uh, he didn't produce. And I, I, I wonder... Uh,
4: go ahead. Maybe the person have to give another standing ovation. Maybe that'll change his fortune. Yeah, right, I think that was right. Big, that, that was the biggest joke I've ever heard, a farce, uh, when they're talking about the standing ovation turned them around. What turned him around, he was becoming a, He decided he was going to get back to his old approach to the place. That Sandy ovation it had nothing to do with him going on that torrid Street. If you believe that, Roger and Don, Santa Claus is on your front lawn tonight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you think they'll you close come, it Don. out tonight, Billy? Huh? Do you think they will close it out tonight? I sure
4: hope so, Don. I mean, they, of all these that pitch well in the postseason over his career, I, I hope so. I mean, Zach Gallon, the South Jersey kid, is a real battler. But, you know, look, Don, they're, they're, a, they're a very talented team. I mean, Bochy's done a tremendous job, the way he handles his bullpen, the whole deal. I mean, I, I hope they close it out tonight and uh, move on to another championship. You look at Bruce Bochy, five, team, five times he's gone to the World Series, has a chance to win his fourth World Series. No doubt he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Absolutely. I mean, and, and still does not have a winning record in baseball. That's the amazing part.
3: That is amazing.
4: Wow. And how about this? Aubrey Huff had the greatest line. How do we get rid of Bruce Bochi? For one, Gabe Kapler, That said it all. How do we get rid of How do we get rid of a Hall of Fame manager for a guy who doesn't know what side is up? That's right.
1: Well, now they're looking for Kapler to go down to your San Diego. You were out there how many years, Billy? You knew him when he was there. Now they want Kapler to go down there. Well, he did a good job, and I'll tell you one thing. If the ownership in San
4: Diego, Don, would have spent some money, both of you would have won a couple of World Series in San Diego. I'm thoroughly convinced of that now. Roger?
3: I, well, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the worst thing any team can do is hire Gabe Kapler. I'm sorry. I, I can't stand the guy. I think he's an awful baseball man. I think he's really, as uh, your old buddy
4: Bob Grant would say, Don, he's a fake phony fraud.
5: <laughs> well, I, I, you know,
4: look, you know he'll land a job with somebody. You know that. Maybe not. As I, a hope manager, not. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I, I, I just don't see him. All these numbers he has, and all this. I mean, come on, Gabe. If you're a manager, but a lot of these guys take the job because under the, under the auspices of the analytics department, we'll accept that. If you're a guy that wants to manage in the big league, you gotta say, "Look, I'll take the analytics, but I'm gonna manage the way I want to manage. You're not gonna be dictating from upstairs what we're gonna do. Simple
1: as that." Billy, I think uh, young at third base for the Rangers uh, has really. We don't see the Rangers very often. I've watched them in a series. This guy looks like he's gonna be a. An outstanding not. I don't say superstar, but he's gonna be a player. I mean. he makes all the plays defensively. He's a hitter. I mean, he looks like a guy catcher? that's going to be a real player.
4: I have a third catcher as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, good one, Bill. He looks great. Right.
4: Guys, I'm going to banquet now. Can I uh, take a, a little, uh, little rain uh, check? Yeah, so I, knew, I knew
1: I knew you had to get to the banquet, so we'll let you, give you hiatus and let you get out of here. Are I you at the, guys, is, is, is that, Bill,
3: is that that banquet for the uh, uh, Sports Hall of Fame tonight? Is no,
1: that where you are? It's the
4: Otho Davis banquet. The Otho Davis oh, banquet. Yeah, oh, okay. Great banquet. All right. Former trainer of the Philadelphia thank Eagles, so for much. those
1: people around the country yeah. that don't know who oh. Arthur Davis uh, was, uh, well, one of the outstanding trainers with the Philadelphia Eagles for many, many years. A terrific, terrific guy. And I know you want to get back to the banquet, Billy, so we won't hold you up. And we'll get you back, and uh, I'll and catch up with you next week on your show. They're honoring the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies. Carlos
4: Ruiz, Jamie Moyer, Matt Stairs, uh, Scott wow. Ayer, Ruben Amaro are all here tonight. So it was very Where, nice. Is it an Atlantic Cobble. City? Is it well, I mean, in no, Atlantic it's City? At the, uh, Society Hill Sheraton in, in the,
3: the Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, right there on the, the cobblestones. That's a beautiful place. Right. I've, been, I've
1: been there many times. Yeah. Well, right. have a great. We'll day get I back. Year. Get back to the banquet. We'll catch up with you later, and I'll talk right. with you next Bye-bye. week. Bye bye. Thank you, Billy Wernell, Bill one of the outstanding Good broadcasters stuff. in Philadelphia. Been there for a long time. Also spent about fifteen years with Bochi out there in uh, San Diego, and that's one of the reasons that uh, he knows uh, Bruce Bochy so well, and is uh, certainly rooting for the Rangers to take this game tonight and close out the series. Got to say I'm on the other side. I'm sort of rooting for the Diamondbacks. I want the series to go a little bit further. Roger, we talked about it with Roy a little bit earlier. Before our next guest gets in, uh, my comments would be that uh, I, I was really looking forward to this World Series. Uh, uh, I'm a National Leaguer normally, and, and I'm rooting for the Diamondbacks to uh, to win tonight and stay in the in the World Series. But I'll tell you, people that have not seen it and there haven't been many people that have. They only had 9 million. The smallest rating of any game starting a World Series was game one of this series, only 9 million plus. And uh, for those people that have not been watching the series, for whatever reason, are are missing some great players. And so, I mean, there have been some great plays. I mean, defensively, offensively. uh, So many things have happened in this World Series you wouldn't want to miss. So uh, I don't know whether you agree or not, Roger. I know you're, you're looking for Rangers to put it away. But I want to say you, uh, the Diamondbacks, a couple of mistakes. In, in game number three, the third base coach sent the runner from second base to home. He was thrown out at the plate uh, by five feet. Never should have sent him. Had no chance to make uh, to get it home. They would have taken a one to nothing lead. It would have been a three-to-two game uh, from the third or fourth inning on. Uh, but it was 3 to nothing instead, uh, so they really cost them in game number three. Uh, several other mistakes by uh, uh, personnel, uh, or it would have been a much closer series. Yesterday uh, didn't make any difference, and of course game two didn't make any difference because the Diamondbacks scored nine runs. But overall, it's, it's been a wonderful series from defensive and offense, not from a competitive standpoint. The Rangers have just outplayed the Diamondbacks to hear roger
3: well yeah and i do agree there's a lot of uh, terrific young players that uh, we've watched and and uh, and i mean i watched last night but i've watched uh probably uh well every game at least part of it but probably a, a total of three games including everything and uh i just you're right i mean there's been great plays and uh we saw the diamondbacks uh, come back i give them a lot of uh Credit that they came back after being down two nothing to the uh, Phillies, and the Phillies, I think, just thought that they had it wrapped up. And uh, I just wanted to get the series was over. I thought the series was over, and all the fans thought so too. What they did tonight on uh, the Fox pregame, it was the 30th anniversary of uh, the Blue Jays beating the Phillies in the '93 World Series. So that's what they uh, have the central theme, and then the Flyers and Buffalo were tied up at two. Carter Hart, as I mentioned, uh, he was taken off the ice uh, with a uh, he does have an injury, like uh, Roy Cummings thought, and uh, we'll see what happens. But that's a good game, uh, and Theo is going to join us later, right? Yeah, he's going to uh, uh, join us. Uh, I think at uh, twenty. Uh, I think he's going to join us at like uh, eight ten, as I recall. Is that right,
1: Frank? Right. He's after Shulte. He's Mike Shulte. He's after yeah, Mike Shulte. Yes. Yeah. You're yeah. right. The, but uh, the going, back, going is, back to Mike Shulte, it's a great night for Mike too, because the NCAA and uh, for you, Roger, who have covered uh, Georgia over the last number of years and have been not only lived down there but followed the the Bulldogs. Uh, very, very interesting and. In the poll, they're still number one with Ohio State number two, but the coaches have changed the routine. They have put Ohio State number one and Georgia number two. What do you think? I'm going to get Mike's comment on that, too, but what do you think about it? It uh, could be uh, that just the uh, coaches are tired of the dogs uh, being number one,
3: and they figured, okay, uh, this is our time to uh, make a statement. Uh, you know, who knows? I mean, funnier things have happened. There's no doubt about it but uh i just still think uh the dogs are number one until proven otherwise let's even though i do think that they've had a very uh non-competitive schedule let's put it that well
1: way. they beat up florida saturday uh in the big game in jacksonville and of course yeah i saw uh, that you know but uh you know florida's not all that great florida state is uh, very good They're at number three right now and uh so it's going to be very interesting as we come down to the wire and see what uh, Mike Schulte has to say, some of his picks, and what he thinks about the way they've changed up uh, the lineup as far as the Bulldogs are concerned and Ohio State is concerned. And the other thing I want to talk to Mike about, uh, 47 of the college coaches out of 50 uh, voted for uh, Harbaugh to be suspended. Uh, now, nothing is official yet, but I want to talk to, to uh Mike, about that because maybe he has some inside information for us about you know uh, forty-seven out of out of fifty coaches. That's a that's a pretty impressive number, Roger. Yeah, it's one-sided. I did want to ask you. I was i was going to ask you a little later. I'll get it now.
3: Uh, I have a young man in uh, the school where I am, uh, eighth grader, and uh, had a Temple football uh, sweat uh, or hoodie on today. And uh, he plays football on the team. He'll be playing in uh, high school, and uh, uh, his father uh, played at Temple and would have played when uh, you uh, you were broadcasting the gray the games. I think his name is Dave Thomas, and I didn't know whether that name rings a bell with you uh, or not.
1: Went, well, there were I several asked... Thomases that played during the time, uh, so I, I I wouldn't necessarily just by the name alone. Uh, yeah, there's too that many. The, yeah, but he he definitely yeah. would have played Joe if he played that that time. His son's old enough to play now in high school. That would, he definitely yeah. would play by the time we were broadcasting the games. Well, you know, yesterday there was a young man who uh, is in uh,
3: freshman at Malvern Prep, and I'll tell you when I looked at him, Don. He's he's obviously a uh, football player, and he went from public school. and You know, Malvern Prep is not cheap. I think it's thirty five thousand a year. Of course, probably get some scholarship. But, that's uh, WDU, finally, 35, that's, that's, 10, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, give me a loan, would you? So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, he, uh, he, he looked like he could be a senior. So he definitely, they have him, uh, pegged. And of course, you know, I guess that's St. Joe's uh, prep. Uh, that's their biggest competitor, you know, is, uh, is Malvern prep in the, uh, Interact League, I guess, it's, they just have the Catholic
1: League now. You know, things have
3: changed over the years.
1: But, uh, World Series you know, just it, getting underway, and Donna Jane is going to be the singer of the National Anthem tonight. The young lady, I can't remember her name, the singing the National Anthem last night was really quite good. And uh, sometimes I'm critical of the singing of the National Anthem because of the way they uh, they perform it. So, uh, But I have to say that the young lady that did it last night uh, was very, very good and had a terrific, terrific voice. Uh, obviously, we can't hear it tonight because uh, we're doing the show, but uh, uh, she is singing the national anthem right now as we're getting ready for uh, game number five of the World Series to get underway.
3: Can't I beat Lauren heard any... Hart, Don. Can't beat Lauren yeah. Hart, the, the Flyers. And then I found out she and her husband have adopted four children. Uh, she's, they, be, they are to be congratulated. Oh, that's terrific.
1: That's yeah, terrific!
3: It, it is, yeah. The looking at two uh, two first admission uh, of the uh, flyers, and uh, I think that, full, house uh, there? Uh, full house not too bad. Yeah, no, it's not a full house, but I'll tell you, I really like the the job TNT does with the uh, pregame and you know intermission, and they got Gretzky on there and uh, right. Anson Carter, who I I think a lot of. I met him at uh, the Gladiators game last year with RG, and we were talking to them, and uh, they just, uh, you know, they really know what they're doing, and it's all part of the, the uh, Turner Complex, you know, in Atlanta, and they uh, they they really do a good job on sports, and I think they always did. With TBS, they do a great job with baseball, and uh, they have, uh, they did a great job during the uh, LCS. Uh, again, you know, they—they they, right. Turner knows what they're
1: doing. They always have. Absolutely. We're right, waiting for uh, Mike Schulte to join us. Uh, uh, of course, Mike he's uh, been a phone, big Don, factor with Don. the Bowl in, in uh, Tampa, Florida, and we're looking for uh, some of the NCAA, some of his ideas about some of the teams. we got a lot of big games this weekend coming up. Don, uh, Mike uh, didn't answer we'll... his phone. Pardon me? Don, Mike didn't answer the phone. Oh, we didn't Oh, Okay, no. Okay, we're gonna have to cross uh, Mike.
2: Mike Stretch. I tried Stretch to fill in. Here's Stretch now. Who who do we have? Go ahead. Uh, Tom Amin is online.
1: Oh, okay. okay, Tom Amin is joining us. Okay, Tom Amin is joining us now in Philadelphia Uh at the. Uh, hey, 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 Center, we're talking right now, about so Buffalo playing years. the Philadelphia Flyers and so we have, of course Tom has been associated with the with all the sports teams in Philadelphia the 76ers the Flyers the Phillies a uh, longtime broadcaster uh, in Philadelphia for NBC News TV as well as radio so Tom once again welcome to the show we're certainly happy to have you here and you got an interesting game going 2-2 huh yes yeah, a tie score after one period of play
6: uh flyers have been successful in uh challenging a goal for the second night in a row and uh it was an offside call it was uh, a successful challenge roger carter went out injured yes i believe he um he uh it looked like about five minutes before he finally came out of the game looked like he might have pulled a groin on his right leg um and then uh, he didn't look too good trying to save the second goal that went in for uh, Buffalo, and I don't know whether it's just precautionary or what, but I noticed that the uh, emergency goalie who sits not too far from me up here has retreated to the locker room. And That's the first time I've seen that happen in quite a while. I have no idea who the emergency goalie is. Nobody ever does, for that matter, (laughs) but uh, we know who he is. Uh, and he just left. Uh, we, he just left to go to the locker room. So we're down to an emergency goalie. Is that Roger,
3: Steve on the left on the left side of you up in the uh, box? Yes. Oh, okay. There we go. No, Steve. Now we know. Steve is that who?
6: No, 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 no. Steve is the steward. The guy, the guy I'm talking about. Roger sits to the right of us, all the way down the okay. end. Okay. Down at there the end. Okay. And never talk to him. We never say anything to him. He's a mystery man, but. When we saw him leave after Carter Hart went off the ice, we knew that uh, yes. that was the giveaway. <laughs> He's the emergency goalie.
3: Well, the other – I one day, I mentioned it to Don earlier, uh, the, the uh, Flyers on Saturday it's going to be military appreciation uh, day, right?
6: Yeah, they play the Kings 7 o'clock Saturday.
3: Saturday night. Okay, I'm going to be there for that. I guarantee it uh, for the military sure. – uh, uh, you know, honored, and uh, they it, it should be it'll be great to uh, spend time with you as usual. And uh, they have well, you know we uh, we're talking to Billy Warndell, He's at the uh, Sheridan Society Hill tonight, Tom. A big affair for the Otho yeah. De- Davis Foundation, and they right. they're honoring the '08 uh, Phillies. And he said there's a, a big. Uh, a group there, and then also uh, on box uh, on the pregame, 30th anniversary of uh, the Blue Jays beating the Phillies in the World Series, Joe Carter. So they had a lot of highlights on that. <clears throat> Just with uh, the you three know, of uh, us.
6: The only foul ball I ever caught in the press box, the only foul ball I ever caught in the press box was Joe Carter foul ball. And was if really? you remember, Harry Callis made the call because Dick Clayton, <laughs> as you know, was charged with so many errors. Error on the lane, but this time, Harry, uh, and I didn't hear the call. Somebody told me about it. Harry huh. said, and Tom Levine just saved the life of that memory lane, Clayton, with a diving catch of the Joe Carter foul ball. <laughs> <laughs> Only i Harry, say, Harry was do the
1: that. best. I mean, for those folks around the country that are listening to us right now, they never had a chance to follow uh, Harry because he – you know, he's with the Phillies and uh, not necessarily yeah. a, a national broadcaster, but he, what a terrific guy, what a terrific broadcaster. Uh, going back to tonight's game, and I talked to to uh, uh, Roy Cummings about this in the first segment, uh, don't expect the Sabres to figure out the uh, Philadelphia tonight at Wells Fargo Center. And they're putting a lot of pressure on the coach because uh, they had such a great exhibition season. They have a lot of young players. And they were expecting that they were going to come in and they were going to come out of the shoot firing red bullets. But unfortunately, it has not that happened. And now they're saying if they lose in Philadelphia tonight, they may lose their coach. Any comments about that in Philadelphia? Not at all.
6: No, we don't. No, have nothing about Coach Grenado at all. Nope. No buzz up here. No nothing.
1: Well, we'll see what happens. I think, happens. It's, I, you know,
6: I think it's, it's too early in the season uh, to make that kind
1: That's of That's what I said, Tom. No. Yeah, uh, we, you know, we all agree uh, that it's too early, but uh, they're just, uh, you know, they're taking it. Well, they had two shots. One, that was that he would be, uh, he would really be under fire if he loses this game in Philadelphia tonight. And number two, that uh, Coop uh, would be uh, a choice to pick if you were picking a, a Stanley Cup championship team this year, even though they're Twenty something to one to win the Stanley Cup, uh, it was worth a bet, according to the New York Post. So, I don't know. We'll see what we'll see what happens wow. as the season unfolds. I'm, I'm not going to take that bet. <laughs> <laughs> You're <laughs> smart.
6: I need a little more <laughs> credibility. <laughs>
1: uh, well, and the Flyers. Said, I mean, the, the Lightning are playing without a goalie. Uh, you know, they're not going to have their goalie back until. Uh, after the first of you know, the I, year, if, if, that's I don't all you understand get. What
6: they're, I don't understand what they're waiting for. There are four teams in the National Hockey League that are carrying three goalies right now. And uh, I don't know what Tampa Bay's waiting for. You know, as Yogi Vera once said, it gets late early. And if they're, uh, <laughs> they get too far behind, and there's some stat, you know, if you go to my analytics, um, any team that is four points or more out of a playoff spot by November 1st, has only a 10 percent chance of making the playoffs. If you want to go on stats, so.
1: Um, well, that's what they're yeah, talking about with the Buffalo coach.
6: Well, you can do that with anybody. I, I, how would you How would you like to be a Calgary fan right now? I mean, they're they're the most disappointing team that you can think of at the moment. Right. And uh, I don't know whether it's, you know,
3: but um, I
6: stick with Yogi Bird. Sometimes it gets late early.
3: Yeah. Roger, <laughs> I agree. Oh, that's great. Let's. I wanted to get back to the Flyers. They're four, four, and one, uh, and the last two games they've lost. But uh, you know, when I was there last Thursday, uh, they they looked great, and then uh, Saturday and Monday they uh, sort of fell apart. Uh, but uh, the, the, do you do you feel like I do that they really uh, are on the uh, right path?
6: Absolutely. I wouldn't say they fell apart. Uh, the effort was there. I mean, you know, um, they, just need, they just need a sniper. I mean, uh, right out of the shoot tonight, first shot of the game uh, is a goal. I mean, and were like, uh, I think there were about, uh, four goals on ten total shots in the game tonight. But no, the effort is there. I think they're finally buying into uh, Tortorella's uh, way of uh, playing. Uh, they play, um, you know, the couple of teams I've seen come in here lately are having a tough time getting across the red line, and uh, so the defense is there. And of course, anytime you got Carter Hart, and hopefully, uh, you still will have Carter Hart based on tonight's injury. Um, right. You know, you play a tight game like Tortorella wants them to play. Uh, they just can't convert on opportunities that they get. Uh, have trouble scoring. That's it. You know, uh, shot percentage is not very high. But other than that, I think they're, they're playing the way Tortorella wants them to play, and that's pretty good hockey.
1: Tom, the top of the list has uh, changed a little bit. The Rangers are off to a great start, 7-2, to two, going <laughs> into tonight's game. And uh, more importantly, uh, uh, you know, they, they've been able to do uh, something they have not been able to do, Rely on defense. Their defense has been terrific in the first nine games, and they're off to a pretty good start. Are talking about the New York stars. Rangers or the Texas Rangers? <laughs> yeah.
6: I'm talking <laughs> about oh, the, New York Rangers. Rangers. Oh, oh,
1: the New, New York Rangers. Oh, the New York Rangers. There's only one Rangers playing in the garden tonight. Oh, okay, yeah. Well,
6: Lava, you know, the same way, you know, uh, the Rangers, if they buy into Lavalette's uh, style of play, they'll, they'll be fine. Anytime you got a goaltender like they have, and like I said with Carter Hart, Anytime the Rangers have the goalie they have in the net, they're uh, they're they're always going to be a factor.
1: But I, I and the Devils and the Islanders are making a little bit of a run too. They've improved their clubs a little bit.
6: Yeah, you know, and the sleeper, and I, the Detroit Red Wings. I guess they're no longer a sleeper. But one, um, I saw the Anaheim Ducks when they were in here the other night. Nobody ever talks about them. Of course, they're in the other conference. But uh, you know, it's wide open right now, I believe, and. Uh, Especially if um, Tampa wants to go that long, you know, without getting another goalie. Roger,
3: what's your the uh, your evaluation uh, about? The, what is uh, is it? Urson, uh, uh, the uh, backup goalie for the uh,
6: Flyers. Yeah, he was shaky in his first few minutes of the first time he started, uh, but um, I don't know. We'll find out because he's in there for the
1: rest of the game. Tonight, so we'll see how he does. What kind of what does Las Vegas have? Because they, 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 unbelievable, expansion they team, and they've been right there three years in a row. They they get to the finals. Uh, they, I mean, it's unbelievable. Well, what are they What are they nine and zero now? Well, one of the best games Flyers played was that game against Vegas. I mean, yeah. they, they could have won
6: that game. And they played right off the bat. They played three top teams in the league in the entire league and. They were in every one of those games. The only game they got blown out was the Ottawa game, and uh, the other games uh, they were in it. They could have won any of the games that they lost so far this year, right? Against really top-notch competition. Roger. Yeah, they're doing it. they're
3: doing a feature uh, on TNT of uh, Jonesy Keith Jones, and uh, some right. of the uh, antics uh, he had, oh. uh, you know, when he was a broadcaster. Well, but I'll tell you, I think he's done a great job in, uh, as an uh, administrator and president of hockey operations.
6: Well, it's early. Too
1: early They haven't made tell. any moves
6: yet, you know. I mean, you know, it's, uh, they haven't made any moves yet, and, uh, you know, the personnel that he inherited are the personnel that are on the ice tonight, so we'll see what happens.
3: Yeah, he's on there uh you know with uh the, uh uh Marty's uh son um and uh the, uh, the analyst from uh, TNT. I will right. tell you, you know when you when you when you can do hockey games, you can get a job in broadcasting doing play by
6: play because I think it takes a, a real talent Tom. Uh, um uh toughest game to call. Now, take it from I, me, the game to call is hockey. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you have to anticipate. You can't – and you have to pick your spots as to what you're going to call and what you're going to say because you say too much. I remember Gene Hart used to uh, emphasize when he said, Tom, you're not pronouncing the Russian players' names correctly. And I said, <laughs> Gene, these guys have five consonants in their last name. By the time I correctly pronounced the name, I missed three plays. <laughs>
1: well i'll tell you uh, gee he, heart for those people around the country former flyer announcer now passed away one of the all-time greats and his all-time great game was the russian flyer head-to-head competition at the spectrum in philadelphia probably the greatest game uh the flyers ever played uh was, was that game and of course he and mike emmerich who also came up through the flyer organization and then became yep. one of the great broadcasters of National Hockey League Hawk he's retired now 2 years ago but they to in my mind uh, now I don't know about some of the ones outside of the country in in Montreal and so forth I didn't hear them that much but those two in my mind stand out uh my uh, Tom Doc Emmerich.
6: uh yeah you're right they're they're, they're right up number 1 and 2 in my book
3: yeah I, well, I, that was uh, Kenny Albert uh, that does the play-by-play. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, he's uh, very uh, talented. Very good. And he's really a nice guy. I've talked to him a number of times. And, uh, he, you know, he just will talk to you and have a conversation and uh, not, nothing
6: put on about him at all, you know. So, well, we were just talking about the, uh, the uh, hockey announcer, Jeanette, who just passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, back – you know, before the when the, when it was the original six, there weren't too many guys who can call a hockey game.
7: I mean, no. Bud Palmer.
6: Every once every once in a while, you would see a national game on Sunday. I guess when the networks had nothing else to telecast, and Bud Palmer would be the only guy who yeah. uh, you know would would be the would call the games on national TV. And when it looked like the Flyers were going to get a franchise, you know, I would known Gene Hart since uh, high school. And uh, I said, and Gene, you know, was very good with hockey, very knowledgeable. I said, Gene, you ought to try out for the Flyers' job because, you know, there's not too many guys around here who can call a hockey game. And uh, he eventually did, you know, get the job as a hockey announcer. And, um, you know, Gene, uh, <laughs> I got a story for you. Gene Hart, Gene Hart refereed basketball in high school. And when I was playing a game for Holy Spirit, Gene threw me out of the game. He ejected <laughs> me from the game. I said something under my breath. I didn't think he heard it, and he said, "Okay, Lemaine, you're gone." And uh, he, <laughs> he, he checked me out of a basketball game. I can't believe it. And I didn't show <laughs> up or anything, but I said something under my breath that he heard it,
1: and he tossed me from the game. Well, I tell you, go over to New York, they had a couple band. of good. They had a couple of good broadcasters in New York. Marty Glickman would be one of the, uh, the first for basketball. He uh, really. Uh, Created the basketball scene in New York for the Knicks. He also did a little bit of hockey. He also did a lot of the the uh, Giants uh, for years and years and years, and then of course moved over to the Jets. So uh, there right. there were a few few broadcasters, but as you said, uh, not very many that that we would really recognize.
6: Well, nope.
1: and that's uh, that's a part of the reason
6: why it took hockey a long time to catch on. I mean, you only had six cities to begin with, and most of them were in Canada. And uh, you know it's. Uh, you know, it, it took a while for people to pick up on the game because it's a very hard game to understand. If you're going to explain the rules and how a game is played, hockey is probably the most difficult game to explain to people. You know, and, and uh, also you know, the it, fact even
1: that uh, the, the broadcast from Canada, and I can't remember the, uh, the gentleman that did it for years and years and years and years. Uh, he was considered the best that uh, yeah. hockey. Yeah. Yeah, no, the no, guy not no, for the
6: uh, guy to get the dames from St. Louis was pretty good also. But, but uh, we got a penalty here, do we? Uh looks like what's it, tripping? We got uh wires are gonna go on a power play, I believe here. Yep. We got number uh got number nineteen on the trip, that's it. Number there nineteen it Buffalo tripping. So, yeah, power play. They're,
3: they're on a delay uh, Flyers, uh, on TNT. The most
6: unusual stat, the most unusual stat I can think of. Up last week, the Flyers had 4 shorthanded goals and one power play goal. That's unreal. That's pretty hard to do when you think about it. So I, I was suggesting, you know how football, the popular thing now, if you win the, uh, the coin toss, to defer. I said, if the Flyers get a power play, defer. <laughs> uh, well,
1: absolutely well, they finally about, got Seager out in the World Series. He's the number two batter for the Rangers in, in game number five. They finally got him out on a ground ball to shortstop. And right now the Rangers yeah. are up uh, two outs in the top of the first inning. And uh, nothing, nothing gets the score. So we'll continue to follow that as it goes <laughs> along. And we'll see whether there's going to be a game six or whether there's going to be a game seven or what there's going to be. So, Wait, Tom, I'll ask you, because uh, you were with the Phillies for such a long period of time, some of your thoughts about the World Series.
6: Well, you know, I just – I was talking to somebody about this before tonight's game. Have you ever seen a game in uh, Arizona when the roof is on?
1: Not when it's on. When the roof is
6: on, it's very dark in there. And when I heard when the uh, Phillies came to uh, Phoenix – and they didn't have batting practice, I thought that was a very – I thought that was a mistake. We got a cross-checking here, so that takes care of the power play. Um, you know, it's silly. for some reason, the Philly hitters just kept flailing away at pitches that were low and away or high. And, and uh, I wondered if a lot of it had to do with the fact that they never could get used to the darkness that was uh, prevalent in in Arizona, and then, right. well, when they didn't win Game Six, the pressure was on. And I, to answer your question, I think the pressure of, of must winning Game Seven because of a of terrible disappointment that it was going to be, and as it turned out to be, I think the uh, the hitters, the Flyers hitters, just uh, were just flailing away at pitches that they had no, no right swinging at. And, uh, you know, uh, the best hitter on the team, in my estimation, is their second baseman. And he never looks bad at the plate. guy you're I talking about. Oh, yeah, Bryson Stott. And when you, when you lead the league in two-strike hits, you're, you're a good hitter. That's, that's the mark of a good hitter, in my estimation. And he leads the major leagues in uh, two-strike hits. And he's a, he's a smart player and a very good, def- I, he'll, he'll win a gold glove someday. And I wouldn't be surprised someday if he, uh, he's up there near the batting title as well. I oh, he, he might win the game. gold
1: glove this year.
6: Yeah. He probably, he's up for it. I think. Yes.
1: Absolutely.
6: And he started out a, as a
1: shortstop. Yeah.
6: Uh, he's
3: a bright spot for the future uh, for uh, the Phillies. There's no doubt about it. You know, it's interesting, Tom, the, uh, Uh, the TNT uh, telecast is really uh, more than uh, 10
6: or 15 seconds or more, maybe 20 seconds. Yeah, we noticed that here. Yeah, it's really amazing. Replay replay is running a lot longer than it normally is.
3: Yeah, Uh, I've never seen, uh, go. you know, that uh, there's such a a difference in the uh, actual and, and the uh, the telecast the um, yep. so the the what are you, we were talking to uh, Bill Warndell earlier, what do you think uh, about the Eagles so far, and uh, what do you think of uh, their future chances?
6: Well, I mean right now it seems like it's the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and the rest of the league, you know uh, just when you thought uh, you know Miami might be a power, they threw the you know San Francisco.
1: You know, I don't know what's happening with them. Uh, you know, Tommy. This game this weekend might close out the Cowboys. They lose this game, you know, they have three right. losses, and the Eagles only have one. It's almost right. impossible for them to, to to move up.
6: Exactly, and uh, they really don't have to do too much to get in the playoffs. The way things are going right now, uh, but uh, Sunday's a big game. Yeah, Sunday's a very big game, and uh, you know how Cowboys are the same thing. How can they get blown out one weekend and then blow out another team the next weekend? Uh, but we'll find out this weekend. Big game. You're right. Cause it's, David he was just on
1: ESPN Cowboys. tonight talking about the game, and he uh, he said himself, you know, this game, uh, this game means a lot for the season. I'll tell you what. I have never seen a wide receiver like A.J. Brown. No. I, uh, got, I mean
6: – I mean, Odell Beckham got a lot of copy when he was making all those great catches. But I'll tell you what, the most valuable player on the Philadelphia Eagles right now is, is A.J., number 11, without a doubt. He's incredible. He might incredible. be the most
1: valuable player in the league. Not only makes catches, he makes great catches. Yeah. Look at he made, two on, two on the sideline last week that uh, were unbelievable. One handy catch with two people with him right in, shoulder to shoulder, and he catches the ball. Court- According to when the coach, I, they I work I left on that play. Line, and then he catches the ball in the end zone. Yeah, they work on that play. Yeah, according to Coach Sirianni, that's a
6: play they work on in practice. And uh, but you know, you have to have the athletic ability that Brown has to, to finish it. And my God, every every week he does something like. Well, he holds the record right. six to eight games, right, one hundred thirty-five right. or more yards. And uh, he is just what a big you know. Got to give credit to Howie Roseman. I don't know how the hell he gets these guys. I mean, he picks up guys left. You need, you need a you need an extra lineman. He got him. You need a running back. He gets it. You need a wide receiver. He gets one. And he uh, just <laughs> and he picks them up for like nothing, nothing. How the hell is AJ Brown out there available? And the Eagles, you know, Super Bowl playing teams, end up getting him. It's uh, you know, and they get a running back. They, uh, it's it's it's. I don't know. A little bit of luck, but a little bit of uh, smart football is Howie Rosen. That's for sure.
1: And just the other way around for the for Washington. I mean, for them to give up young, I mean, it's unbelievable. And Sweets goes to the 49ers. There's a general manager that makes moves, good moves too. He's just like Howie, general manager yeah. of 49ers. And and there's and and what does Washington get? They get draft choices for two to four. What in the world? I mean, how can you give up two players like that? One guy with 14 sacks and 90 tackles. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. 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 Well, you know,
6: and that 49ers general manager was a pretty good football player, if I recall.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, Hall of well, Famer.
3: Hall of Famer. Yeah. yeah. Hall of Famer.
1: <laughs> Played his whole career in Tampa.
3: Yep. And and the other the other thing is he was a uh, great broadcaster. In the uh, short time yeah. that uh, he was, uh, before he, he, yeah, he took was. over San Francisco. Yep. Yep.
1: Well, Everybody laughed when they gave him the job. They said, Oh he he's no experience. All he is is a guy that played football at Tampa, Florida. Well, they're finding out who he is now. They found out the first year he went out there who he was. Uh, he, he,
6: he pulled a Keith Jones, didn't he?
1: Yeah. yeah he yeah. certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see whether well, Keith wins or not. If he wins, then he, then he yeah. duplicates it.
6: Right. right. Well, like I said, they haven't made any moves yet,
1: so it's too early. Too early to make a Still judgment on that. Still two two in that game. Yes, it is. Eleven yeah. and a half to go in the second period. Tom Lemain is our guest. Tom's at the uh, Wells Fargo Center. The Flyers playing Buffalo tonight. in A very very big game, according to the New York Post. This is a gigantic game for the coaching staff of Buffalo. So we will uh, I see whether that turns out to be a reality or not.
6: No, I, I, uh, I don't know, And You're only quoting one source, the New York post. And I, I need more sources than that one to make that kind of credibility, (laughs) you know, and, uh, but uh, I'm watching. I don't think think it's a
1: source. I think it's a rumor.
6: Number 72 (laughs) for the Buffalo Sabres. Taj Thompson's going to be around for a long time. Big guy who can skate and score and a smart
1: player. And, uh, He's, well, we lost the I coach and gonna... general manager out there in Las Vegas. Uh, their football team is oh. not doing very well. Doing very well. Their their hockey team is great, but their football team is having a disastrous year.
6: Well, maybe the baseball team will pick up after after a move. You know. You
1: yep, know they're coming yep, from Oakland. Yep. I don't know whether that's good or bad.
6: Well, can't hurt. I mean, you've no. been to a if you've ever been to a baseball game at the Oakland-Alameda Coliseum. <laughs> Anywhere, but that place is good.
1: Anywhere, <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I, that, that, that's an unbelievable. That was an unbelievable. Not only that, uh, it wasn't a great neighborhood. You, you know, the the uh, the Warriors, not the Warriors. The uh, Golden State, they they played in uh, right next door to that uh, to that that uh, yeah. building in in Oakland. We, we, the we went out there to play. Yeah, when well, we went out there to to play basketball, I went over to Coliseum a couple of times, uh, and. Uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> no picnic.
6: No, they that they called it the mausoleum, the Oakland-Alameda Mausoleum. Yeah. The, worst play, worst worst field I've ever I've ever been to, and you know it was the last one of the uh, of the multi-purpose stadiums. And yeah. uh, when the Oakland A's were well, in town, I the told worst one was the them, was Cleveland.
1: Said, gonna, Cleveland had the gonna infield. Gonna... in for the first five games of, of the football season, they kept the the infield in well, Cleveland. I mean, this was well, they stadium well, before they got there.
6: Well, well, the Oakland A's still did. I mean, it yeah. still did happen before they moved to Vegas. And uh, I said, you guys, better get used to to seeing a, a, a baseball infield during a football game because you're not going to see it anymore. And uh, you know, once
1: uh, once the uh, the Raiders moved to Vegas, that was it. Yeah. You get get great foot traction when you have that with the infield in there <laughs> for a football yeah. game, but primarily in Cleveland where it got so cold and icy. Oh my God! <laughs> you know, well, at one you, point, know where the heck the, at one you know where the ball was going to go.
6: Well, back in the seventies, man, that, the multi-purpose stadiums were the thing. You know, everybody thought they were That's the insane. best best thing in the world. But uh, now you got real baseball, real baseball parks like the one here in Philadelphia, the one in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I, I always like that one in Pittsburgh. the beautiful baseball park.
1: And by the I'll tell you, the two I'm that looking, we're looking at I'll right see, now, Tommy, in the World Series are two great, great stadiums.
6: <laughs> yeah, but they got a roof, you know. <laughs> you know I, like real I like that. I like that roof. <laughs>
1: well, I, I want to be able to go to the ballpark and know that they're going to play.
6: Well, all the physical structures. Well, that's a good point. That are needed. All the, all the uh, iron and physical structures that are needed to make that a ballpark with a roof really take away from the beauty of a ballpark. I mean when you think about it, if you look around, you know ballparks that have a roof, they are ugly ballparks. Really, ugly ballparks because they have to have all that to make the roof opening close. But uh right. I, I just uh, you know, pure pure I mean Minnesota, God bless them, and if there's one baseball team that really needed a stadium with a roof in Minnesota They never did. I mean, they went and just built a stadium without a roof. And, uh, of course, at the expense of playing a lot of cold games early in the season and also maybe games that have snow. But Minnesota, you would think when they build a new stadium, you would think they would build one with a roof, but they did not.
1: They they checked with Bud Grant before they built it, Tommy. Yeah. (laughs) Pardon (laughs) me? They They checked with Bud Grant before they built it. Oh, yeah. Uh,
3: Hey, Don, uh, before, you know, before Tom gets away, and uh, we appreciate uh, the time he's given us with the Flyers game on, we have to congratulate him on being the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Man of the
1: Year. Absolutely. That, I was so sorry. I can't get to that uh, banquet because, uh, as you know, unfortunately I'm sort of incapacitated at the moment and have been since the uh, middle of June. So I uh, uh, wasn't able to get to the banquet, but uh, congratulations, Tom. I haven't talked to you since then. Thank time. you. But uh, Thank no one, no one more deserving than Tom Lemayne.
6: Well, um, I just did about everything that came along in in my career, Don. And uh, the doors kept opening, and all I had to do was walk in. And as you said earlier, um, there was no um, there was no sport in this town that I. Have not been uh, a part of, and uh, you know, working with Bill Campbell doing seventy sixer games, working with Tommy McDonald doing a pre and post game Eagles show, which by the way was the first sports talking show in Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's uh, I've, I've had a very fortunate career, and I thank you very much. And tell well, me, hey, say, listen. did
1: we have fun? Was it were well, the years that we were there with the Phillies, the Eagles, yeah. the Sixers? The Flyers, they Flyers were just well, big really uh, thought of at that time. Yeah. Uh, Peterson came yeah. in as the president, and uh, boy, I will tell you, that we have a lot of fun in those days, or not.
6: Well, one of the years, you know, one of the years I was anchoring sports at Channel Three, all four teams went to the championship game. That's right. Up. Yeah. That, that, that's a pretty good trick. Ooh, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Since you guys are since you guys are watching this national telecast at about a 20 second delay I'll let you know if anything happens (laughs) we got eight minutes to go in the second period
1: well Tommy I want to thank you very very much again not only for being on with us this evening uh, as always but uh, an extended period of time with us while you're trying to watch and report what's happening between the Flyers and Buffalo as you said 2-2 with 8 we or on my time eight twenty-two to go in, in, in the second period Tommy, thank you so very, very much. You got it, Tom. No Tom, problem. Thanks, Tom, we'll see you Saturday. Thanks so much, oh, as always. Okay, okay, guys. guys talk to you later. Bye. Take care. Mike Zimzak our next guest. And, of course, Mike is a, uh, a Baltimore, Washington resident. And uh, so we get a chance to talk about a host of things down there. But uh, this particular night, there's a lot of things in the world of soccer that are going on. I was trying to go back and forth to see whether they were all being televised tonight. But I haven't had much success because we were trying to do so many other things. But, Mike, welcome back to the show. And uh, I'll let you kick it off with, uh, first of all, Washington making two big trades, uh, one with the Bears and one with the 49ers. We've kicked it around with a, both a, a host of people tonight. Some of your thoughts.
7: Um, I, it's surprising, not surprising that they made the moves. Uh, there was really no path forward to giving a long-term contract to um, both of them for sure. Both Montez Sweat, who went to uh, the Bears for what looks like a high second-round pick right now, and uh, Chase Young, who went to the 49ers for what will be a compensatory third. Uh, I, but like no a high second-round
1: pick is not a very great – I mean – you know, not it, it's second, not both, like me. Well, two. I would think for those two players, I mean, I would have think they got a lot more than, you know, four picks in, in you know, between two and five. I mean, I, that doesn't make sense to me.
7: Um, both. Uh, you you got to understand, both of them are in the last years of their deals. Um, Montez Sweat, uh, for sure. I think it's even getting the as high as they get, getting a first round pick for him. I think they're just about as good as they were going to get. Uh, They they said they looked at the comparisons and thought that it was good, and there was no promise, again, that they were going to be able to re-sign him next year. Uh, Chase Young is an interesting one. I mean, yeah, he has the name. We all remember him and what a highly regarded prospect he was going from this area to Ohio State. Then when he was at Ohio State, um, Winning Rookie of the Year, the former number, uh, the former second overall draft pick. Uh, but it, the thing you got to look at with Chase Young is that's a bit of a distressed asset. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Um, he's had that uh, severe uh, knee injury where he tore his, um, his his ACL and messed up some of the other ligaments in his knee. And then there's been a lot of attitudinal questions. Not that he's a bad guy in the locker room, but, you know, he's been absent from the off-season work program. His thing is, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a veteran. I don't have to show up to these voluntary mini camps. But when they wanted him, they could work with him on techniques and game plans and stuff like that. He wasn't. He was coming back, and he was doing things – that they didn't want him to do or he was playing in a way that he did, that didn't fit with the scheme and what their plan was. Um, there were some questions, especially last year about his desire and willingness to play coming back from the injury. Um, the team I know felt like he could have played about maybe even five games sooner than he did at the very end of the season. Um, He had been medically cleared. They just didn't understand why he wasn't available to play. And it was a point in time, if you remember where the Redskins were, you know, at one point in time, I think they were five and six, and they were in the thick of the playoff race before they lost. They tied with the Giants, lost to the Giants, and then lost a bunch of other games and fell off the pace. But there was a point in time where they really could have used him and they could have. He might have made the difference in between them them. Make the playoffs or not, you know. This year he's got five sacks, but we've never really seen him dominate a game uh, or even a like a half of a game the way of Joey Bosa or TJ Watt can. So there wasn't no a path forward for him to get the deal that if he, they wanted. Um, that he wanted, that he thought he would get, they weren't going to sign him, and so they took what they could get for him. Um, and they're going to move oh, on with what looks like it's going to be possibly a top ten pick in the first round, a high pick pick in the second round from the Bears, another high pick in the second round. So they're seeing themselves sitting right now on probably three picks in the top fifty. Uh, and saying, you know what? That's a good way to build a, a build a team because the way that it's going, you got the twenty the twenty thirtieth ranked defense in the NFL right now, and I don't care what the names on the back of the jerseys are. When you guys are the twenty ninth defense, I think everybody's replaceable. Roger, I, no doubt about
3: that. Uh, you're exactly right, Mike. And uh, I think we were just surprised. <clears throat> excuse me, as Don said that they didn't get higher. But then when you look at everything as you described uh, with Chase Young and, and uh, the, the last year not picking up the fifth year uh, on the contract, and now, and I said Joshua Harris is looking at the uh, financial uh, supply side of this for his investing team. And, uh, you know, maybe he uh, has no intentions of uh, spending that money on those players. Uh, Next for uh, after this season,
7: it doesn't make much sense. I don't know anybody in the NFL who gets away if they sign both Sweat and Young to deals, market value deals, which you know they would expect to after the season. Um, With them, John Allen and DeRon Payne uh, all signed. That would be. you have about $100 million invested in four positions along the defensive line, which leaves you a little over $100 million to build the rest of the team. Now, fortunately, right now they have like zero invested in quarterback with Sam Howell playing, but that just doesn't seem like the best way to allocate your assets, especially when you've got a guy in uh, Cam Curl, the um, defensive back that they really feel like they need to sign and he was one that I think a lot of people were interested in and got told a flat no. Um, and so I think Joshua Harris just looked and said, this, this is just not bad asset allocation. Add to that the fact that you've got another high draft pick and Phil Mantis, the defensive tackle that they took in the uh, 2022 draft, who hasn't seen the field mysteriously pretty much for two seasons. It's just been weird. You know, seven of their eight last first-round picks, I I believe, it's 78 last first-round picks have all been on the defensive side of the ball. And tell me the one that, you know, besides John Allen and and De'Ron Payne, I don't think any jump off um, the pay tattoo of being um, worthy selections.
1: Mike Zimzak, our guest this segment. As always, we talk about what's happening in the Baltimore-Washington area as well as Philadelphia, and he covers most all of it. Uh, I know also he's probably watching, uh, as we're doing this show, he's probably watching the uh, the Columbus-Atlantic Atla- game because uh, right now I'm looking at it uh, 36-26 in the first half, nothing, nothing. And uh, the first game I did not see the score, maybe you did, uh, uh, on, on the earlier game uh which was let me see what it was I, I had it earlier but i forget what that was columbus and uh let's see atlanta atlanta united is playing columbus and uh now nah, the other one was was
7: uh i'm looking up the I myself uh i'm, yeah, watching, I'm looking it uh, up too don i was watching the uh i did see the philadelphia union over the weekend yeah columbus in and their yeah. yeah.
1: I did see and it. it's right now there's the 31 cents you go in the first half. It's nothing, nothing. Right.
7: Yeah, I did did see the Philadelphia Union uh in their match over the weekend uh absolutely take apart. Um uh, um New England. I think that game ended up 3-1. Uh it was 3-0 at the half. I think it could have even gone um a little bit more, um, you know, yesterday or on Monday, yeah, Monday you had Orlando um, beating Nashville and Seattle uh, beating Dallas. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about this new format. I just think these three-game series uh, to start are just – my first impression is not necessarily positive. Yeah, you talked about I, that last
1: week. You said you didn't think you were really in favor of this.
7: I'm not. Um, I, I also find it very odd that the Union play their first game uh, over the weekend on Saturday, and they won't play again for for 10 days. Um, they'll play again on November 8th, and then if the game does go to 3, they play again on the 12th. So I'm trying to figure out why they need that's just an unusual amount of time in between games in the regular season, let alone uh, this so called playoff scenario originally um, about ten fifteen years ago, when I originally started watching the Philadelphia Union, uh, they would do the home and away ties and not, and then decide them on aggregate um, over the first over the two legs. Um, They said that this best-of-three series was to add and draw more eyes to it and and to give more drama in the playoffs, and I just think it's an artificial way of of doing this. I could have seen going uh, home and away like they used to do if you wanted to add more games and ensure that every team that played in the, 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 the first round after you had the pigtail matches, the qualifying matches, um, got a home game, I could really see doing that. But this best of three series, and then you know, uh, going to a no- single game knockout afterwards—it it, just—it's it, baffling to me. Uh, my first impression is, even after watching it, I, that I don't love it. I think it adds too many games to the playoffs. It adds too many games to a late season. We're going to have these games finishing in December, which is just Almost two months after the end of the, you know, a month and a half or so after the end of the season, um, and I don't think the game, the, the drama of a potential game three that goes to penalties or whatever, uh, is necessarily worth all of this. But we'll see how it plays out and if the readings um, define me.
3: Roger. Yeah, you know, Mike, I, I did want to ask you. Getting back to the uh, commanders, uh, what's the pulse of uh, in in your area on uh, Eric the and the enemy as the uh, offensive coordinator of the commanders?
7: He has oddly, I think, gotten a pass from a lot of people um, when you hear on talk radio and when you talk to the fans, the blame squarely normally gets pointed at the defense at Ron Rivera. Um, The offense outside of the games versus the Eagles and the last half of the game versus uh, um, Denver, to me, hasn't really looked that good. Um, But you know, the enemy, I think, has gotten a little bit of of, of a pass. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Right now, you know, I can't see a scenario where things continuing this way. I can't see much of a scenario in any way where Ron Rivera still has is the coach of Washington Commanders next year. Uh, I just don't see it. Um, now, whether or not it's Eric the or whether Eric the is able to use this to get a head coaching job um, remains to be seen. I have not seen the sort of, again, outside of the games versus the Eagles, I really haven't seen this explosive Kansas City-style offense that I thought they were going to see. Um, Sam Howell is <clears throat> on pace to be sacked a record number of times. They've got a really good running back that I don't know that everybody knows about, Brian Robinson Jr., uh, who, big Alabama kid, who they barely ever used. I think he had like 12 12 carries or 24 carries across the span of four games, and they're just not really running the ball. Um, Most of the passes have been going to – either Logan Thomas, who it's great to see him on on the field because he's been injured so much, and Terry McLaurin is just as good as we thought that he was. I mean, if you have him near your fantasy team like I do, you've got to be happy with his production. But I think everybody was surprised, and we thought that uh, the first-rounder last year, uh, Jahan Dotson, might take a big step forward. Uh, He really hasn't been consistently targeted that much, and that's a bit of a surprise. So, you know, yeah, I know they looked really good last week against against the Eagles, and that seems to be the team that they looked the best against. They go out and score um, 31 points against the Eagles, but remember the week before they could only score seven against the Giants. Yeah, but they they dropped
1: so many balls on their quarterback. Holy smokes. I mean, even last week. I mean, they had every chance in the world to win last week's game. I never saw a team drop so many balls in my life as I saw them drop last week.
7: That's part of it. And still, he threw for over 400 yards. Um, it's just that, that, I don't know, I I, I think that he's, he's gotten a little bit of a pass. Um, it just seems like it just falls right off of him, and everybody looks to, um, to, to Ron. But then again, you know, Eric's the new guy in town. Ron's been here. For the last what, four years, and he's going to catch a lot right. of it because of his authority within the team. And if I th- and you know coming into the season, everybody thought that the defense was going to be their calling card. They were going to be able to rely on the defense. And so far, the defense just really hasn't been that good.
1: Right. Well, you're a hockey, you're a soccer man, I should say. And I'll tell you, I don't know how well you follow the ACC. And they got North Carolina State and Syracuse played at six tonight. I didn't have a chance to see it. It was on ACC. And also the second game tonight, uh, also, uh, which was uh, first round of uh, Atlanta. uh, uh, What's the second game? Uh, I can't find it now, but they had two. Oh, here it is. Second game was uh, Louisville. And Pittsburgh. I don't know whether you follow college soccer or not.
7: I don't tend to follow so- college soccer. Uh, I will tell you that I was following um, the University of Tennessee women. Uh, a friend of mine's daughter, Lindsay Brick, plays for uh, UT. It's her senior year. Uh, she's battled some health issues and everything to get right. back on the field for her senior year. And, you know, it's been a rough ride for her in, over the course of uh, did some ups and downs, but she was out there, and she's been a really major contributor to the uh, to the University of Tennessee women. She helped them get into the SEC tournament. Unfortunately, they dropped their first game last weekend, but we're waiting to see if they make it into the uh, uh, NCAA tournament, and then she can cap off her career uh, with an appearance in the, the um, Go Columbus NCAA Women's Tournament.
1: Columbus just scored.
7: Well, last question, uh, again,
1: Roger. Well, they, uh,
3: I, we you know, talked about uh, soccer. You said that uh, you saw the Union uh, game, and you said they just looked uh, tremendous. Do you still feel that the Union's the team to beat uh, for the MLS uh, championship, Mike?
7: Uh, again, you know, when you've got this weird playoff situation, momentum's only as good as the last game that you've played. Um, it's fully possible that they go up to uh, New England, and uh, New England, uh, you know, the weather of injury, something like that hits and knocks them off of their, their pace. Uh, I would definitely say that I like them. The tournament experience is going to be a positive. Jim Curtin's been there. He's done that. He's got a team with a lot of veterans who were there last year and they know how to navigate the latter rounds of this, I think the disadvantage for the union that they're going to have this year year versus last year was last year everything was coming through them. This year, because they finished fourth in the Eastern Conference, it's more likely than not that after this series they're going to have to play the rest of their games on the road. Um, We know maybe not the way it was in previous years, but Thailand Energy Stadium is still a massive home field advantage for them, especially when it's cold, the weather's whipping in off the, the river, and the guys in the river end are are, um, are, are, are getting into it. You know, I've heard uh, from a number of opposing fans and players that talent energy stadium and playing into the river end, especially in the cold weather, is just about their least favorite thing to do in all of MLS. So um, hopefully we'll get to see it. Uh, I know you got Doug coming up. One last thing from the soccer world: uh, Leo Messi picked up his fifth Ballon d'Or trophy. That's the award that goes internationally to the best uh, men's and women. Yeah, I saw that yesterday. I'm um, sorry, eight. Yeah, um, that. If there was any doubt of it, as his status is probably the greatest of all time, I think that will solidify it. Um, <laughs>
1: How about at thirty-two years of age? How do you? We got to get to Doug, but how about just a quick answer? Uh, what do you think he's going How do you think he's going to make that transition? And now he's uh, thirty-two.
7: Yeah, well, listen, he's going to have more time off now before he starts playing again for the, for Inter Miami. He's probably going to play fewer games this season than he ever has. Um, he's playing in a much different climate. The level of competition is a little bit much. I think he might be able to score, get another two or three years out of himself, but I do, don't think you're going to see him qualify. He's not going to win any more Ballon d'Or awards from, uh, from MLS. That's just not going to happen. Um, but he's trying to hang around just long enough to see if he can make another run in the Copa America, which is coming here next year.
1: All right. Thank you very much, as always, Mike. We'll get together next Mike, week. Mike, a, a great of week. lot of going on around the world, and we'll get to it. You but, too. Uh, right. Doug right. Hamilton we'll is
7: – We'll talk next week. Thanks, Mike. Thanks All right.
1: a lot, Mike. Have a great week. Our PGA professional is on the line, and uh, Doug Hamilton, uh, <laughs> interesting story uh, this weekend uh, in the world of golf before we turn to something else, football or baseball or whatever, with the World Series. They're going to play the first PGA tournament uh, on a Tiger Woods course and 7,000-plus uh, yards, although they say you really can't count it as 7,000-plus because of the hardness of the surface of the fairways, uh, mm-hmm. that the uh, uh, the driving skills of the players are going to compensate for uh, the length of the golf course. Uh, but uh, they also are very, very uh, suspect that Tiger will not be there for mm-hmm. the presentation of his first uh Architectural golf course uh, percentage. Hmm. What do you think? What, uh, you remember the name of it? Was it Blue Jack or no? Do I know the name of it? Yeah. Yeah, it's in, uh, I oh, got it here somewhere. Texas, you so many papers like, I'll give it to you while you're thinking about the, the golf course. Do you know
3: happened? what, uh, area was in, Don?
1: What city oh, yeah, or it's whatever? It's, it's, you... Yeah, it's in, uh, uh Carbos St. Saint Lu- Saint Luca. Carbos hmm. St. Luca. Okay.
2: Because there's, I know his 7, name...
1: 7,000-plus-yard course. Yeah, his the
2: first name was one passed that he just, to a course. First, um, first Blue course Jack, that he designed National that they're, they're
1: playing a tournament
2: on.
8: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, um, his, his legacy extends, you know, well beyond uh, just his different things he's done on the golf course. Now he's, right. you know, fiddling with different things off the golf course. And I know that he's partnered with Roy McIlroy to do some kind of a a league. Um, I think I saw something about it. It was like a 15-hole, you know, golf league or something that was an indoor concept, or I, I forget what it was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, still trying to be relevant to the game in terms of uh, moving it forward. And, you know, you're going to see him, you know, probably still play some golf, but also, um you know, you're probably talking about Ryder Cup, Captain, President's Cup, you know, different things that, that may come down okay. the the name him.
1: of it is Worldwide Technology Championship. And uh, okay. the fingerprints, of, of course, Tiger, it's Carbo St. Luca. Uh, PGA, uh, tour, first his PGA Tour being played on one of his courses. And mm-hmm. it's over 7,000 uh, 7, yards. Well, I mean, look, distance is not
8: the quintessential metric when it comes to you know, golf courses and these PGA Tour players, as you mentioned, uh, different things go into that equation, whether it's, right. um, you know, you play in Colorado, you could play a 9,000-yard golf course as far as the ball flies, you know what I mean, or you're talking about the surface, or you're talking about, you know, different things that comprise the in, the, the scorecard. Um, you know, you may have um, incredibly long par threes. You may have a couple of par fives. The name and of the court
1: golf course to. is El Cardinal. And it okay, opened yeah. in two thousand fourteen and will play seven thousand four hundred and fifty two yards.
8: Okay. Yeah, I hadn't I knew that he was uh you know, just getting his feet wet if, if you know, when it comes to just the architectural concepts of that. I mean you look at Nicholas designed a bunch, Dot designed some, you know, player, uh, Faldo, Kite, Norman, I you mean know, all those guys, right. you know, get involved in all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, when you have that kind of money, you, you start dabbling in, you know, whatever wine cellars and all kinds of, you know, stuff that, <laughs> you, you know, that you can, that you can think of that might, you know, that proverbial saying of, you know, you can't go broke making a profit. Right. So, right.
1: I, you know, Well, I you gotta be to pretty happy this. about your Ravens. They seem to be stepping out of, uh, no. away from the class no. there. And, uh, uh, two things uh, we talked about sure. earlier in the in the program with uh, some of the other uh, reporters, uh, some of your thoughts on Harbaugh's brother at Michigan. Uh, 47 of the prominent uh, right. football coaches have said that he should be suspended. And mm-hmm. uh, secondly, his brother's doing a hell of a job mm-hmm. in Baltimore once again. Sure. Yeah.
8: I mean, I think there's always a, um, some version of cloud hanging over the other hardball in michigan i think that he had what imposed a, a three game suspension on himself this year they were you know now they right. now they're investigating you know whether this guy was stealing signs at on the sidelines or wherever the you know bleep he was um so it, the other thing for me is the um the rankings that had come out i don't, I don't understand how you can take a team like Georgia who's won the last two national championships and who's currently undefeated and all of a sudden Ohio State's the number one ranked team based on what, right? So Ohio State jumps to one, Georgia goes to two. Michigan was two. They went to four. Again, based on what? what? What sort of criteria or curriculum are these individuals that probably don't know anything about football, never played football, and probably where pocket protectors are voting on what? Like, I don't I don't get that. Somebody can explain that to me. I'd like, love to understand it. Well, well I, it, I agree with difficult. I have to
1: agree, and I know Roger, he followed Atlanta for a lot of years while he lived down there. just came back to Philadelphia, and uh, we said earlier, when you look at, uh, you know, what's happened in the SEC, I mean, the they, uh, last 20 years has either been Alabama or mm-hmm. Georgia, you know, has been his first place. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't know how they can make that change, but that the, was the coaches. The, the uh, AP still sure. put Georgia on top. Mm-hmm. Roger? Well, I mean, look, you know, I wanted to get back to golf for a minute
3: uh, yeah. while I'm thinking about it. Uh, the, I had uh, understood uh, from a, a friend uh, whose uh, brother-in-law is a member of uh, Marion. That they mm. are going to Do and Don, I don't know if you've read anything. Maybe uh, you have, Doug. Uh, They're going to rip mm-hmm. the uh, courses up and completely <laughs> redo them. Yeah. And I didn't know whether Marion? Uh, at Marion, yes, that's oh what I just God. heard on Saturday. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
1: did not hear that.
3: Well, oh, they You know, there would have
1: thought there's, that, there's, that would have been a historical site. I would, I would have been surprised to be able to tear the whole place up. Well, Well, maybe on one of the courses, not not
8: knowing exactly, you know, all the information that's put out there. I mean, you have to understand that, you know, from a turf standpoint, you know, the agronomical lifespan, if you will, of a green is about 20 to 30 years or somewhere in between that. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, different buckets, if you will, where they say, well, we want to, take a look at the holes, we want to move the tees back, we want to do different things with regard to length of golf course, and then you look at the
1: other bucket that says, okay, well, we, we have we have agronomic, we have turf needs, we have...
7: We well, have they greens. do that
1: almost every year at the Masters, right? They move Augusta, they move holes around all the time. Yeah, I mean, look, they have like a gazillion dollars, and people are pumping money into that place,
8: and, you know, whatever. I mean, it's a... So, but the other concept of that is, you know, you have you know well we have uh drainage issues we have irrigation issues we have right you know too many rounds for not enough turf we have i mean there's
1: different reasons why people would do that um so you know not knowing all roger the you know but, more than i do i did i did not see that article
3: well that's so, what it, i heard uh you know in a conversation on uh i had on saturday night and uh you know i had not heard anything but i don't really follow it our okay. director
1: tells mm-hmm. me we have no more time left so uh, i have to say you thank are. you very much doug thanks to all our guests tonight we talked about a lot of different things it was a lot of yeah. fun catch you next week take Con, care, Doug. i have just a got great on week. the freeway you know i got to take the exit
8: come on man
5: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'll get you in earlier have next a
3: time. One. god bless all all
2: right. god. Brought to you each and every night of the week with appreciation men and women of the united states armed forces and then we'll be fire services. When you're out there and see somebody in uniform, let them know you know they're there. This program is dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. That be Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcat, mm-hmm. Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey azowitz sergeant Thomas Batinger, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, Sergeant Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Harper Springs Police Department. Deputy Chief excuse me, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Chris Levick, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman and Officer, of Chris from Lakeland, P. D. Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police. Patrol Deputy Josh Meyer, National County Sheriff's Office. Captain Matt Letourne of Philadelphia Police Department. Captain Chris Leach, Philadelphia Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artis Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. This is Ch- Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Chief Al Hogle, Longbow Key Police Department. Uh, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. Uh, Deputy Mike Hargrove, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Blaine Lane and Deputy Chris Meyer, Oak County Sheriff's Department, Sergeant Chris Fitzgerald, uh, Temple Police Department and Philadelphia Police Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Till that time, the uh, rose rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields, sunshine lightly in your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the palm of his hand.
9: Shema' k'mayil ma, Shema' hazahil ma, So evorat